Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark as we continue uh, walking through this uh, marvelous, action-packed uh, Gospel. Mark chapter 1. This evening we are in verses 40 through 45 to the end of the chapter. Please stand for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, efficacious, authoritative word. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing, for for your cleansing, what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. And to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Here ends the reading of God's word. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Well, if you've been in this congregation for some time, you'll know that I have a heart for India. I haven't been in India since the late 90s, but in the late 90s, I was there for three extended periods, and a piece of my heart truly is there. I thought at one point I may be called uh, to serve the Lord uh, in India. Uh, It is a place that has uh, extreme, extreme spiritual darkness. You can see it, you can smell it with the incense everywhere, there are idols on every corner, on every dashboard, on every ledge, uh, in every kitchen, Uh, idolatry is ubiquitous, Uh, incense is ubiquitous, I remember there was a period, in fact it still is sort of true, that whenever I smell incense, I'm repelled by it, because I think of those days in India where I was smelling it all the time, and it was associated with these monstrous sort of idols everywhere, with monkey heads and elephant heads and these kinds of things. Uh, But I was there uh, three different times in the late 90s, and I worked with a a seasoned American missionary named John Dorsey. John Dorsey. This man deserves to have a biography written about him. He was an extraordinary man, uh, a a unique man, uh, highly idiosyncratic. I could tell you story after story that would make you uh, uh, cry with uh, joy and also uh, laugh uh, because he was a very funny man as well, Uh, and uh, one thing about him that was extraordinary was his weight. Uh, He probably weighed about 300 pounds, and he was in his mid-70s, and we would ride our bikes uh, through Delhi traffic to do pastoral visits. I was a young seminarian, and uh, he would literally be like knocking people over as he was riding his bike, and and, uh, just ringing his bell, but it didn't matter, you know, just knocking people over. Um, and and, and uh, he was just an extraordinary man. He was there 
uh, in the uh, mid part of the 19th century, or 18th century rather, he's really old. Uh, he was there in the, in the 1950s, and he was there as a Methodist missionary. And he was not a Christian. He was in a Methodist mission with a bunch of Methodists who weren't Christians. They were there doing relief work and, and other kinds of things, but not preaching or understanding the gospel. Well, a fiery Wesleyan Methodist evangelist came through and preached, unbeknownst to them, they didn't know who he was, and he preached the gospel to them, fiery gospel, and everybody thought he was terrible except for John Dorsey. He said, I think I've just become a Christian. And so he began sharing the gospel with all of his fellow missionaries, and they didn't like him anymore. And so he came back to the States, went to seminary, and then came back to India uh, with a lady that he was in Hebrew class with. Uh, so if you're single, you're looking for someone, go to Hebrew class, you might meet your spouse. And they went back over uh, to India and uh, the rest is history. They were there for, he was there for over 50 years uh, and would tell me that he's more Indian than American. Um, extraordinary, extraordinary man. And um, the day he died, I, I, I wept. Um, he was almost like a grandfather in many ways and such an example of, of uh, faithfulness and courage uh, in the mission field. Well, on one of those trips, Mr. Dorsey mentioned to me that we were going to go visit some Christians. I said, oh, okay, where is that? He said, well, it's in a leper colony. And I have to admit, my first thought was, excuse me? We're going where? Um, there are leper colonies uh, in India, even still to this day. Uh, the poverty is extraordinary. Um, the suffering is extraordinary in India. Over a billion people living in this this country, which is relatively small compared to, uh, to America, of course. Um, scenes of leper colonies, uh, in my mind, were from Ben-Hur, you know, uh, other kinds of, of Jesus movies that I saw as a kid. I, I didn't know what to think. And so we, we took this short trip outside of New Delhi, and when we arrived, uh, Mr. Dorsey explained to me that these lepers were no longer contagious. I didn't need to worry about getting lepers. I should have just assumed that, but I'd, I, was, I just didn't understand what was happening. And uh, thankfully, he, he explained this to me. He said uh, they've received medical attention and the symptoms of their disease had abated, uh, but the, the effects of the disease, of course, uh, the consequences of it were visibly evident. I remember shaking the hand of a, a man with two fingers. There are a total of two fingers. I remember seeing uh, a man and speaking with a man whose nose was just a, a lump, a mass of, of, uh, of skin. It was deteriorated. Uh, the most extraordinary thing about this colony of lepers uh, was not the visible effects of this disease, but uh, it was uh, the fact that these were Christians. These uh, men and women were Christian believers in this, this leper colony. Um, it was extraordinary, the joy that they had on their, their faces, many of them with disfigured faces, the joy they had. Uh, uh, interestingly as well, that uh, the connections made with this leper colony were also with a, a children's home up in the north of India in the mountains where the children of leper 
uh, parents who had leprosy would send their kids because uh, they didn't know how long they had to live, and, uh, and so they would send their kids to be raised uh, up there and um, had a chance to visit those uh, places as well. But just extraordinary, uh, the suffering, but also the, uh, the focus on Christ. Um, this was a colony of Christian lepers. When we visited that day, uh, there were a lot of men working on a small building, and it was, it was a ch- they were building a church building. Uh, together, they were putting this um, uh, together, and, and their, their, their outward appearance was disfigured. They were outcasts of society, um, but they were men and women who were saved by the blood of Christ. They were loved by God, and uh, they, they knew it, uh, and they rejoiced in it. Uh, this day I visited the Christian leper village will be uh, forever etched on my mind. These lepers had been touched by a terrible disease, but more importantly, they had been touched by Christ. They had been touched by Christ. And though they had to wait for complete bodily healing in heaven, they had received a more important healing, that of forgiveness and cleansing from the stain of sin through the blood of Christ. It's these kinds of experiences, of course, that... uh, that, that really do impact the way that one thinks about the world, the one, way that one thinks about culture and, and society. We can get ourselves sideways over their most ridiculous things, you know. And then you step foot in a leper colony outside of New Delhi, India, and you realize if you thought your life was hard, you are wrong in many cases. Well, the passage that we are looking at this morning introduces us to a man who was full of leprosy. Look there in verse 40. It says, a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him. This man was full of leprosy. We, we have the, the passage in Luke chapter 5, which is the related passage where it says he's full of leprosy. And, and he'd left his proper dwelling among the other lepers in order to seek healing and cleansing from Jesus Christ. In order to understand uh, the, the drama involved in this story, we must first know a little bit about leprosy and the Jewish laws surrounding this disease. Leprosy, as we've just alluded to, is a, is a disease that slowly destroys the body's warning system for pain. In other words, it, uh, the disease numbs the leper's limbs and extremities so that they do not feel pain in them. So... Uh, they're susceptible to, to burns. It's kind of like when someone has neuropathy in their feet and they're numb, they can cut their toe and they don't know it and they're bleeding and it can become infected and, and all kinds of terrible things uh, could happen. And so damage from burns or cuts or bites or infections resulting from those things would exacerbate these wounds and cause many problems without proper medical attention. And these people did not have that. In third world countries, sometimes cats are sent home with lepers after they leave the hospital so that mice and other small vermin do not chew on them when they are asleep because they can't feel it. Without proper medical attention, even sometimes with it, this disease has been described by some to be a living hell. But it's not just the physical aspect that makes leprosy so terrible, of course. The mental anguish associated with the disease is equally as bad, especially in the Jewish culture. 
Due to the extremely contagious nature of some forms of leprosy, there were strict Jewish laws concerning those affected with the disease. These specific laws can be found in Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, all kinds of laws associated with leprosy. Leviticus 13, 45, and 46 gives the hard reality of what happens when someone is pronounced unclean with leprosy by the priest. Leviticus 13, 45, and 46 states, quote, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. A first century leper was a social pariah, an outcast. He could not enter the public square. He could not be around healthy people. And if he did happen to get near some, he would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that the unaffected people could be warned and flee if they wanted to. Imagine the loneliness, the isolation, the despair, the hopelessness that a leper had to live with, all in addition to the great physical maladies associated with this horrible disease. And so this brings us then to our text. And the first thing we see here is the faith of the leper. The faith of the leper. Look with me at verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. The leprous man in the story probably heard about Jesus. Uh, we know from earlier in this chapter that his, uh, Jesus' fame was spreading uh, throughout Galilee. Uh, this uh, likely took place in the region of Galilee. The leper, crossing all social and religious boundaries, approached Jesus, knelt down before him, and implored him for cleansing. He was understandably desperate. He heard that this man was healing people. He heard about him and wanted to be made clean, and he believed that he could do it. If you will, you can make me clean. He, he asked for cleansing. He asked for cleansing. He wanted cleansing not just from the physical, but from the whole thing. He wanted to be made clean. Next, something amazing happens. The compassion of Jesus. Look at verse 41 and 42 with me. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus, the Greek text states, having been moved in his inner being from the bowels, stretches out his hand and he touches the leper. Who knows how long it had been since anyone had touched this man, since he had felt human touch. 
the warm, loving touch of another human being. Maybe it was months. Maybe it was years. You can just imagine the gasps amongst the crowd who watched all of this taking place. Can't you hear them saying, doesn't Jesus know that he is becoming ceremonially unclean by touching this leper? Doesn't Jesus know that he himself can get that dreaded disease from that man? You know, it was interesting when COVID was happening. Uh, there were lots of ministers talking about kind of the history of plagues and the pastoral work in the midst of plagues. Uh, in fact, um, there is a book uh, that came out with various writings from many from the Protestant Reformation uh, discussing these things and talking about these things from a pastoral uh, perspective of how to minister during times of plague. It's, it's fascinating um, to read these things and to hear of the calls to ministers to not flee but to minister in the midst of it and to give one's life, if necessary, for ministry to uh, the flock when these kinds of things uh, break out. Here Jesus is the ultimate example of one who is willing uh, to touch this man. He responds by saying, I am willing to be clean. Here we see the sympathy of Christ. Here we see the compassion of Christ. Uh, here we see the love of of Christ for this, this man. Verse 42 states that immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Here again, as we have mentioned previously, when we think about the miracles of Jesus, it's like a preview. It's like a preview of what is to come. And when Christ returns, the dead will be raised and all infirmities will be gone. Every tear will be wiped away. And there will only be joy, eternal joy in Christ. And we will not know any longer disease and sin and, uh, and suffering and pain. Uh, we will be healed of all of these things. And here we get just a snapshot of this leper being fully cleansed and fully healed. This is what it will be like in that final day when Christ returns. Well, in one moment, the powerful word of Jesus brought complete healing and cleansing to this diseased man. And let this not be lost on you. When Christ declares that someone will be healed or he, bought through his word, uh, cast out a demon, uh, nobody, it's irresistible. It cannot uh, be um, uh, obstructed, the word of Christ. Well, we come to uh, the third point here, a stern warning from Jesus. Look at verse 43 with me. So he's made clean, and then verse 43, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. A stern charge from our Lord. What does he say? See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And so we have this stern warning. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Here we 
go from the sympathetic, compassionate Jesus who touches the leper and heals him to having a stern word with him, a warning that he tell no one of what has just happened. And here we are reminded, as we uh, were in verse 38 earlier in the chapter, that Jesus did not come to the earth to start a, a healing ministry. He came to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. This is why Jesus came. You see, he did not want this leper to go about telling everyone about his healing because if he did, the crowds would be too overwhelming in the towns and they would be coming, well, for the wrong reasons. Not to hear the gospel, not to hear the good news, but to remove their earthly difficulties. Jesus did not come to remove all of our earthly difficulties. He came primarily to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, that people would hear and believe and be saved by His grace. You see, Jesus told him to go and offer the appropriate offering according to the Mosaic law, which you can read about in Leviticus 14. And then show himself to the priest for proof of his cleansed state. This is what would have happened. But rather than be obedient to Jesus, verse 45 tells us that the man went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news about the healing. You know, this isn't like some kind of reverse psychology, right? It's not like uh, parents of young children, you, you tell your child, I don't want you to take out that garbage. Don't take it out. I'm telling you. If you take out that garbage, you're going to get in trouble, and then they take out the garbage. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Oh, no. Uh, that's not what's going on here. And, 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 and also, there's debate among scholars about whether this is something that we can sort of applaud or something that we should see as direct disobedience, right? Um, uh, there are those who might look at this and say, well... You know, he was just so overjoyed at his healing, and he met Jesus, and he was healed. And, I mean, give the guy a break. He's going out, and he's telling everyone about Jesus. How bad can that be, right? Well, actually, I would say it is bad when Jesus, the Lord, gives you a command, and you say, no, I think I've, I'm going to do it differently. I have good reason for doing it differently. I'm going to go around and talk to people about Jesus. I'm going to tell everybody what happened. But you see, when Christ gives us a command, even though it is against what we want to do, we must obey the Lord. And that is an important aspect to discipleship. When we don't, we repent, we confess our sin, we look to Christ for grace and forgiveness. But we ought not to look at this story and think, well, you know, let's give the guy a break. He, he, no, he, he directly disobeyed the Lord, who sternly charged him to say nothing. And look at the result. Look at the result. He can no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Because of this man's disobedience, Jesus' preaching ministry was restricted. Uh, so we've taken uh, a bit of a close look at this narrative of Christ healing the leprous man. There are some important lessons we should take away from it as we prepare to come to the Lord's table. The first one is this. When we come to texts like this, we should recognize that it's not 
simply about the physical healing we should be thinking of, but the spiritual healing, the spiritual healing. Make no mistake about it, the miracles of Christ do not cease with meaning on the physical realm. Rather, there are spiritual lessons to be learned with each one. Beloved, we are like, naturally, naturally, we are like lepers. We are spiritual lepers. We are, in our natural state, spiritual lepers, depraved, corrupted, poisoned, diseased with sin through and through, and outcasts from fellowship with God. This is who we are in our natural condition. Jesus, full of compassion and love, says to the one who comes and says, make me clean, he says, come, and I will make you clean. Come to me, those who are sick with sin, who are riddled with unbelief, who are struggling with some patterns of, of sin and idolatry, those who are overwhelmed with the hard reality that the law condemns us in our sin, those who know that apart from a Savior there is no cure from spiritual disease. Here's the thing. We all are born with a spiritual disease. It is like a spiritual leprosy, and it eats us alive from the inside out spiritually. It'd be much better to be a Christian and a physical leper than to be perfectly healthy and be a spiritual leper. That's what we need to, to hear tonight as we live in a culture that is all about therapeutics, all about physical health, but doesn't focus on of course, our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so tonight, as we look to come to the Lord's table, of course, we acknowledge our spiritual leprosy, we acknowledge our need for Christ, and we come to Him for grace and for forgiveness and for healing and cleansing with His blood. Our baptisms, they, they represent the cleansing blood of Christ. Uh, boys and girls who are here uh, tonight, you know you are baptized. Uh, the waters of, of baptism have, have uh, uh, come onto your head in a public worship service, and that baptism, it points you to the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we ought to think about. Uh, we as Christians, we are, we are saved by grace. We're saved through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And so... If one hasn't already, it's important to kneel down at the feet of Jesus and to ask for cleansing and for grace. This is what we are called to do. Christ came to earth to live a righteous life in our stead, to die a sacrificial death and to rise again from the dead on behalf of all of those who would irresistibly hear his voice, repent of their sins, and put their faith in him. Now, many in this room, of course, uh, would have already felt and known and experienced the saving touch of Jesus. There is still the need for us daily to bow the knee to Jesus, 
Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And so as we wake up in the morning and we spend time with him, and as we remember the promises of God and the gospel, we remember that we are saved by grace. And we remember that as those who are saved by grace, we are called to a life of discipleship. We are launched into the day recognizing that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him according to his word and for his glory. And so daily, we ought to look to Jesus, kneel before him, literally or metaphorically, at least bow our heads and, and, and cry out to him for grace and help and strength as we seek to live for his glory. Lord, cleanse me from my sin. The cleansing of course, happens our entire lives through sanctification. The blood of Christ not only justifies us, it also sanctifies us. And we need to remember that as we come to the Lord's table. Let us implore the Lord to work his sanctifying grace within us, ridding us of remaining sin that plagues us as God's justified sons and daughters. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 says this, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like, what? Scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is cleansing that's happening through the blood of Christ. The second thing I think we should take away from this uh, is that we ought to submit to the word of God. Uh, this uh, leper was cleansed and then was unsubmissive, immediately uh, unsubmissive. The first command he received from Jesus after being cleansed, he disobeyed. Uh, not a good start. Uh, and so let us remember that the Christian life is not simply about receiving cleansing and receiving forgiveness and grace and then living in whatever way we think is the best or whatever the culture says. Or no. no, to be a Christian means we are cleansed and then we seek to obey the Lord and to honor and to glorify him. That obedience doesn't add one thing to the grounds of our salvation. It's in Christ alone we are saved. And yet in Christ we are called to be his obedient sons and daughters. If that is not your heart's desire, if your desire is not to honor and to obey Christ above all, I cannot say this uh, more forcefully, then you are likely not a Christian. If your heart's desire is not to honor and to obey the Lord, then how can one call themselves a Christian? I'm a Christian, but I will not follow Christ. Does that make any sense? We are Christians because we are saved by grace and by his grace follow Christ. And we need to remember that here we see a, a really an awful example of someone who receives a great blessing from Christ. Now, you say, well, pastor, was this person, did this person become a Christian? Were they regenerated or were they just healed on the outside? I don't know. The text doesn't tell us. Is it possible that Jesus would heal someone physically but not spiritually? Is that possible? Yeah, sure. The fruit that we see immediately is not good. But perhaps by the grace of God, this individual repented of this and, and recognized the, the folly of that and truly was born again by God's Spirit. But our heart attitude as those who have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, 
ought to be, Lord, I look to you for grace and strength that I might honor and obey you and live according to your word and not according to the world and not according to my own heart. Let your heart lead you is the worst advice. Okay? We are led by Christ and his word. We, we do whatever he tells us to do. God the Father from the heavens at the Mount of Transfiguration said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Mary said at the wedding at Cana, where Christ performed his first miracle in John 2, 5 and following, Mary said to them, the attendants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Mary's words ring in our ears this evening as we read of this healed leper unabashedly disobeying Christ's direct command to keep silent. Again, the Christian life is not just about receiving the saving, cleansing, healing touch of Christ through his life, death, and resurrection. The Christian life is also about obedience to the word, evidence that true love for God and authentic faith truly exist in our hearts. And so may we remember these things as we come to the table and remember that Christ lived and, 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 and then bled and died on the cross at Calvary uh, to cleanse us from our spiritual leprosy to give us life in his name. And may this reality launch us every day into a life of humble, obedient discipleship. And we will not obey as we ought. We will never, we will never honor and obey God as we ought. Even so, we as his children living by faith seek to obey and to honor him and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the cleansing of the leper, uh, for all that we learn through this glorious uh, miracle and even the greater miracle, Lord, of the, the cleansing of our spiritual leprosy, of our sin uh, through the blood of Christ shed for us on Calvary's tree. Even now, Lord, as we sing and as we come to the table, would you bless us, comfort us, encourage us, nourish us, uh, and strengthen our faith that uh, we would cling to Christ alone for our salvation and live for Christ alone in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, beloved, I invite you to please uh, stand as we sing together. Alas and